faithandgoodcounsel.com presents Pondering Things Catholic with Father Paul Gross. Father Paul is a particular witness of mercy, faith, and virtue with a gift for seeing the connections of faith, health, and daily life struggles in and through the heart of Christ. I'm your host, Stacy Galino. Father Paul, back in October, all the way back in October of 2017, mm-hmm. the, the gospel for the day was Matthew 22, 34, 40, and it's speaking about that, that I would say a very well-known scripture about how we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. Mm-hmm. And it was really striking to me. There were so many things that you were sharing in your homily that really spoke to my heart. And and I think there's a lot of layers to what we could discuss, but that whole part about loving ourself, you know, and, and if we don't, if we don't love ourselves authentically and in the way that God has truly ordained, how can we love anyone else if we don't really know what that means? And so I would love for you to, to read that scripture to us and let us um, let that pierce our hearts. And then I want to talk about what that scripture has to do actually with perfectionism. Because mm-hmm. there's a tie there, right? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So here are the scripture. This is from Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to to you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. Well, one of the things that you said that you were you were beginning to speak about in your very short, it was a daily mass, it was a short homily, mm-hmm. but those are those are the zingers, I find. You know, it's like, oh, right to the heart. That's right. But you were talking about, you know, harshness with ourselves, and you even said something along the lines of, because um, I do take notes in my Magnificat, self-hatred, you said, is one of the worst forms of abuse. And you were, you were alluding to that part of that scripture, which entails loving at others as you love yourself yeah. and the point being i think that if we don't love ourselves truly then how can we love anyone else and so this exactly. is a point of difficulty especially for some of us who struggle with a harshness towards ourselves and that mm-hmm. maybe that god image of a harsh god we don't really know who god is so there's a lot going on there father but maybe you can clear it up for sure. us yeah well it's it has a lot to do with um, sometimes it can mask itself as being holy when we are critical right. of ourselves, when we fall, when we make mistakes. But it all boils back, I think, to the idea we have of ourself before God. Who are we before God? Because if we, if that understanding between us and God has been twisted and skewed, which there's a whole lot of different things that can um, affect that family of origin, childhood shame, the fall, obviously, from the very beginning, breaks our image of God and who we are in His sight. And that's going to affect our thoughts. It's going to affect our thoughts, going to affect our actions. Who I view myself to be is going to affect my thoughts and my actions. And if I have a very poor understanding of myself that I have to almost prove myself 
to another, prove myself to God, prove myself to myself. I get stuck in this kind of trap. That's what perfectionism is. And I begin when I can never reach that place, if you will, that's really unreachable for a lot of people. Then I get stuck in this track that I'm never good enough, right? And then there becomes this harshness, this criticism, this hatred towards oneself. Um, and it becomes almost routine, routine for us to criticize ourselves when we fail, whether it be you know, legitimate sin or whether it would be just making a mistake, right? Making a mistake in anything we do. It becomes routine to our first response is to criticize ourselves. And there you go again, right? And it becomes this kind of trap, this endless trap that keeps us from being free. It keeps us being free, freeing to love others, right? And so we have to be free to be able to genuinely love another. And it starts with first our image of who God is and who I am in His sight, right? And then who I am, who I truly believe in myself to be. And then from there, be able to love others from that place of freedom, of freedom. Yes, absolutely. And, and I don't think we even see that we're doing this. I mean, we, we, don't. We, don't, we, we don't walk around and cognitively, you know, be thinking, I have a broken image of myself and I have a broken image of God and that's affecting me today and how I'm treating the person at the grocery store. Do you know? I mean, it doesn't. No. And even more so, I might say, as a, as a person who is, will always be a recovering perfectionist, that harshness with my own self, not everybody else gets a pass, uh-huh. but, but me, I don't get a pass, you know? And that is not, that's not truth, right? That is not what the scripture said um, uh, and other scriptures that relate to that father so i wonder when you receive people in spiritual direction and when you begin to pick up on some some harsh views that the person has of themselves you know where's that place that you start with them from this theological perspective i usually when somebody comes in i can uh, most of the time kind of pick it up uh, just from their demeanor i you know i start with the image of god mm-hmm. and mercy okay I mean, what do you say what do you tell them this is what we need to know what is the image of god that you tell them about i tell them this you know I, usually it's a struggle they're having with you know a struggle that they continue to come back and they fall and i ask them you know, first i ask them if they have any children mm-hmm. and i say when your son or your daughter comes to you and they're struggling with something What's in your heart as a, mm. as a mother, as a father? And of course, they kind of think about it and they're like, well, I want to hug them. Yes. I want to embrace them. I want to comfort them. And I say compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Mercy. Mm-hmm. And I say, if God the Father is who he says he is and Our Lady is the perfect mother in heaven, why would that not be in their own heart? Right. Because they're a more perfect, if you will, father and mother, right? They're the the perfect image of what that is. Why would that same feeling, that same compassion, that same mercy not be in their heart for you? Right, right. And that just changes everything. I've seen the scales fall from some people. And and I'm, what I'm doing is I'm trying to heal their image yes. of, 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 of the father who may be up in the sky, quote unquote, expecting something from them. Oh, here you go again. Here you go again. Here right. you go again. You fell again. You fell again. It's not until you can get over this or not until you can stop falling in this way will I be able to have a, a decent relationship with you kind mm. of thing. And, and then, you know, we can explore more about where that comes from. Most likely it's from a family of origin, you know, that being 
um, something that's affected. Well, sure, and oftentimes our 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 earthly fathers and mothers, you know that that definitely colors, if you will, our image of God and and our mm-hmm. image of the faith and and our image of ourselves and whether we're worthy of love or not. You know, you just express so beautifully that conditional love. I will love you when. I'll love you if. Mm, you know, this it. criteria and that criteria is met. And earlier you mentioned, where does that lead? To you really never good enough. And you're just not worthy yeah. of, of the love. And if we pay attention to our language, we hear it everywhere. We hear it even if the person wouldn't say, well, I, you know, wouldn't necessarily label themselves, you know, perfectionistic, we're really harsh with ourselves everywhere. We just, just with our self-loathing remarks about ourselves that are just in our everyday conversation. Absolutely. You know, you yeah. hear it, you, you begin oh, to I see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and some people kind of, they feel like they need to be that way in order to be holy. And it's actually mm-hmm. just the opposite mm-hmm. is what I try to tell mm-hmm. them. In confession, they feel like they have to be hard on themselves. They have to be this way if they're going to be holy, you know? And I say, well, it's actually the opposite. They actually, St. Therese taught us very beautifully, and and, well, St. Faustina, it's our confidence in the Lord's mercy, right? right? And so we, yes, we see ourselves as sinner. We can see all the failures and all the faults and all the imperfections, if you will, within our heart. We know them very clearly, very clearly. But we get stuck there, right? right? We get stuck there, and that's what the the devil would love us to be stuck, right? right? Because it prevents us from moving forward in the joy, the peace, and the freedom of a child of the Lord and serving Him if we get stuck. And it's when we're stuck there is when we need to, I think, when we, we turn to those scriptures that speak about the mercy of our Lord. Right. The mercy of our Lord and divine mercy, you know, the two rays of light, going out from his heart. And where are those two rays of going out? They're going out not to our perfect self. They're going out to our imperfect self. Mm. As a matter of fact, I often use this sometimes in confession, is that that our sin and our faults and the things that we do beat ourselves about, those are magnets to his mercy. Mm. They attract his mercy to that place, not to the perfect place, but they attract us, they attract that mercy to that place that we hate ourselves the most. Oh. And because we hate ourselves the most there and we beat up ourselves, we almost prevent because of it's a hidden pride. Yes. We prevent God from that mercy touching that place. Mhm. Right? And so yeah. we just go in this endless cycle of beating ourselves up, beating ourselves up, beating ourselves up. And at the same time, the Lord is like waiting for us, just like the father who's waiting um for the prodigal son to come back. Mm. He's waiting, right? And it's finally when the son does come back, what drives the father out to run to the son is not that the son is the best son in the world and perfect and just, you know, this whatever idea that is of a perfect son. What drives the father out to the son is that he's been rolling around with the pigs and he smells and his clothes is torn and he's starving and he's full of shame for what Mm -hmm. he's done. Mm Um, and his whole idea of the father is is certainly not what the father portrays himself to be in that moment. His whole idea, remember, right before that, the prodigal son, he's he's speaking, he's going through his, his whole idea, what I'm going to tell my father, you know, I'm not worthy to be your son, just treat me as one of your hired workers. He's going through this. But then his experience of the father in truth is very different than his idea. Exactly. Right there. And, and so the father runs out to the son, 
and is is drawn to the Son because of His brokenness. And mm-hmm. we can, when we fall, whether it be sin or when we just make a mistake, whether then go to that place of there you go again, Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, there you go again, mm-hmm. Stacy. All the time. Whether can we just say, <laughs> Jesus, you love me right there. Yeah. Yes. In that place. Oh, that's know? so beautiful. Golly, there's so many things that you're talking about. You know, the, the, this juxtaposition or this, that's not the right word, the, the communion of mercy and justice, though, because someone mm-hmm. with, I've, I've, certainly worked with people who, you know, when you start talking about mercy, there's an inordinate understanding of what mercy is. It's mercy and justice together. But people who are truly, truly suffering in this way do not believe they're worthy of the mercy. Yeah. Right? And so they're really caught up in this um, disordered, if you will, understanding of what justice is. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you see that too, but it's both and. But but people are scared to allow the mercy in, to uh, open their heart to receive the mercy, because then I will be offending God. I won't. The rules are, are so incredibly enslaving. I'm not yeah. even coming up with a, a good example, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I've done this, so I deserve X. I've done yeah. this, and so I deserve X. You know, St. Therese, and I'm, I'm probably going to misquote her, but I love, she, she's got a beautiful portrayal of the justice and mercy together and it's ultimately beyond our understanding to to understand what that is and god's perfect justice and perfect mercy but she says you know justice the fact that i'm just dust and to dust we shall return justice would demand that god show me mercy because of that oh yeah (laughs) you know i know she kind of uses her own little simple yet profound and and way to help us understand that and so you know, when somebody has a fear of God's justice over his mercy, I, I think they fail to see what God desires for them. They fail mm-hmm. to see him as a father, mm-hmm. as he would. A that, loving father, yes. That the father wants to give to his children so much, and he can only give what we allow ourselves to receive. And the one thing he wants to give us, and of course all the saints would tell us this, is mercy. It's his greatest attribute. Mm-hmm. It's his greatest attribute. It's mm-hmm. who he is. Uh, mercy being, you know, misericordia, uh, mm-hmm. this attraction to misery, this attraction mm-hmm. to suffering. It's in our heart. We, we made in the image of God is in our heart. When we see somebody who's suffering, what is in our heart? We are attracted. We want to go comfort them. We want to go bring them some food. We want to do something to help alleviate the suffering. And the same is in our Father's heart for each one of us who are suffering in sin, who are suffering with continuous sin that has enchained us, enslaved us. And, you know, this is another topic I know, but we want to fall back on self-reliance. Oh, yes. That's going to be a whole other avenue to open up. But we we (laughs) fail to just say, Lord, just love me right here. And Jesus, I trust in you. That's why it's at the bottom of the divine mercy image. And we just need to be reminded over and over and over forever, forever, we will forever need to be growing. We'll always be needing that just a little bigger crack in our hearts, you know, to open to receive God's mercy. And well, Father, there is so much more to say about loving ourselves, loving our neighbor, what that really means, and this sort, this trap of perfectionism, this trap of harshness with ourselves. But hopefully we'll get to some more of those topics in future podcasts Amen. together. Thank you Amen. so much. 